good morning or evening, everyone. It's not morning anymore. It is evening. I usually do not bring up a drink with me, but this evening my throat is closing up a little bit. But don't worry, I will drone on as much as I usually do. I will persevere, if you will. Uh, we are starting a new series. I'm Mark, by the way, if you don't know who I am. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, we're starting a new series, as Eric was talking about, uh, called Together We Can. And uh, the together and the we is, is not a generic together, and it's not a generic we. Uh, the together we're talking about is our unique local church. I, uh, for a long time, I used to uh, have kind of a verse reaction to the idea of a local church and, and a local church identity, and I really got swept up into the idea of the big C church and, and uh, kind of uh, step back from a lot of the, the criticism of like, well, why are there so many denominations and why are there so many different local churches and all this? And kind of that negativity that, that uh, was kind of popular for a while. I don't know if you remember that. And, and we just, we all wanted to be uh, just, you know, big C Christians, big, you know, big universe church Christians. And I'm still all about that. And, 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 uh, and, and really identify uh, with the Big C Church. But also, I think it, it's not a and or, it's not an or thing, you know, we're either Big C Christians or we're local church Christians, you know, and proud about our local community. I really do think it is an and. It is, yes, we are part of a huge body of believers that, that, that our lineage, our history uh, runs back you know, to Christ 2,000 years, and really for thousands of years before that in the, in the whole story of God. And I was really challenged on, on this, and um, I, I had traditionally really minimized uh, the importance of, of E3 in the scheme of things and minimized really any particular local church in, in, in the scheme of things and always tried to look at a big picture. And I was really uh, challenged on on that idea that that I held, um, because all of us, you know, we look at it. It's like, you know, why? Yeah, if we're all Christians, uh, why are there so many denominations, and and why are there so many different local churches? And 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 when you look in the New Testament, it and this is what I was challenged on. When you open it up, you look at Paul's writing and how he really celebrates different churches, like local expressions, and talks about what they're good at and what he's excited about um, about them. And also he talks about what they're not doing well and say, hey, you know what? You guys can do better in this area. And so I think, you know, we have this dichotomy of, of yes, we, we are part of, of the larger church and we, we identify with Jesus Christ. And, and that's really that's really awesome, but it is also really, really cool that, that, that God allows for the local church and he blesses the local church, and each one of these local churches uh, have a unique expression of, of, of worship and how they connect with God and really their place in the kingdom. And so the together part is, you know, we're really talking about us as far as, you know, what, can, what 
together, you know, what it means to be together. What are the expectations? What, what is God calling us to do? The, the we is really those of us who, who proclaim Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We've accepted his forgiveness and uh, we've made him the leader of our life. So together as a local church, we, we as followers of Christ, these are, these are the things that God has called us to do, called us to be, and, and to have our identity in. And I'm really excited about this series. It's going to take us through the summer and um, just really uh, talking about those things that, that really are expected of each, each one of us. And, and when we come together, we can, and it's going to be all these you know, different things uh, that, that I believe that God has called us together to do. When I was uh, in Benin just a few weeks ago, and uh, I was traveling around, uh, this, this whole series was kind of uh, inspired by this, uh, this artist that I, that I encountered. He was sitting there, and he was, he was carving out of this, uh, this wood. I don't know what kind of what it was, but uh, it was really incredible what, what he was doing. This is all one piece, and, and the work that he did was all out of one piece, and he was, you know, just carving these animals, and, and but this, this particular uh, item caught my eye. It's kind of interesting as you, as you look at it, you know, you have the base, and then you have these three people, and, um, and then they're holding up this this uh, vessel type thing, and it has all sorts of, of holes in it. Uh, let me tell you, getting back from Africa, as this is my carry-on, I got pulled aside at every scanning, because this in the, in the scanner doesn't look like what you think it would look like. <laughs> so it looks really weird. In fact, one of them showed me, I'm like, come on, really? How many times do you have to like search me? And they're like, well, look at this. I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see that. Uh, so uh, I'm going to get back to this in a minute to t- uh, and tell you the conversation that I had with them and why um, I really wanted to bring this back and, and share it with you guys. But before we, we jump into that, um, I'd like to do something a little bit different that we've never done before, um, a Connexity Riddle. A connexity riddle. Now, I didn't come up with this riddle. I got a lot of flack for it in the 11 o'clock. And you know what? Big picture, people, okay? All right. Technically, you know, it's a, it's a riddle. It's not meant to be an absolute fact, truth that we can all stake our lives on, okay? It's just kind of a generality thing that kind of is going to get the ball rolling. So just lighten up, okay? All right. Here, here, here's the connexity riddle. I am condemned to always go down and never up. I eventually destroy everything I come in contact with. I save lives and take them. I allow life and cause death. Who or what am I? Go for it. Talk to your neighbors and know their names.
All right, all right. You can just yell it out. Does anybody have any ideas? Is it that easy? Sunlight. Thank you for being wrong. <laughs> I know, but I appreciate you just taking, falling on your sword. Just sunlight. Good guess, but no, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. Any other guesses? Yes, it's water. And uh, uh, this... Uh, when I and I'll I'll get keep that up there and, and water is an interesting thing. I mean, it is such a powerful thing. It is so uh, hard to contain that it's unpredictable. But it's also you know we have this love hate relationship with it. This this need for it, but this also this this fear of it. And uh, this is really pronounced in, in Africa. Africa uh, doesn't have the kind of irrigation systems, at least the part of Africa I was in, that we have. And they really rely on the rains. And when the rains come, they come hard. And when the rains don't come, it's really hard on the people. And, and it's dry. And the crops don't grow. And, and there's drought. And... and it's just, you know, it's this constant give and, and, and take and hope for water, but not too much water. And it was kind of interesting as uh, I was talking with the artist who, who carved this. Uh, he, was, he was through a translator. He, he told me what he was going for was uh, he named this Together We Can Stop the Water. And knowing that water is such an important thing in, in Benin, uh, and then it was just kind of interesting as I looked at this and the people holding this, this pot up and, and uh, this, this vase with holes with it, with the water coming out. And he was trying to tell me that if there's enough people that we can do anything, even stop the water, we can close up these holes and if we work together, that we can, we can preserve this water. And I just thought that that was such a, a powerful image of, of really what the, the church can be when we, we come together as followers of Christ, that really together we can do a lot of amazing things that we cannot do on our own. And that's really what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks is how does, how does God look at community? What, what, is, what is our part in a community of faith? What, does, what do we need to do? What, what, how do we interact? And I started asking all of these uh, questions, and, and I was turning to Scripture and, and, and trying to get some answers. And the first one that I came to is really kind of the standard uh, verse that, that has to do with community. And, and if you've been around the church for any length of time, I'm sure that you've heard it. It's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. And the writer of Hebrews writes this, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, in my, in my Bible, I circled meeting together and encourage one another. That, that these, are, these are things that, that I think are absolutely necessities. And, and that 
God, for some reason, is, is giving us kind of a glimpse that this is an important thing. You know, that one that we need to meet together, and when we meet together, one of the things that we're meant to do is encourage one another. And it started getting me to think about it, and I was uh, thinking about community and trying to think of when I'm my best. I mean, you ever wonder that? When are, when are you best? And I don't mean like morning or evening or something, but when are you the best person that you can be? And I came up with the answer, you know what? The best time, the best human, the best follower of Christ, you know when I'm usually at my best, just honestly, is on Sunday. It's when I'm here. It's when, when I'm around you guys. And when I'm not here, hopefully, you know, I'm still average at least or, 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 or something. But, but there's something about being part of this community. In fact, when I was in Benin by myself, uh, it, was, it, was, it was hard. Uh, I get a lot of energy from people and from my family and, and just uh, connecting with people. And, and I found that like one of the most important part of my days was actually uh, being able to jump online in the evening and, and jump on Facebook and, and see the comments that people have made and the encouragement and, and things like that. And, and a few of you uh, caught me on, on Skype while, while I was there and, and things like that. And it just, it just really meant the world to me. And it started getting my mind moving in that direction and like, going, well, okay. You know, if I'm my, if I'm my best, and, and, and honestly, if we were probably all honest, we would say, you know what, usually we're on our best behavior when we're, when we're around, you know, a bunch of followers of Christ. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been here at E3 as lead pastor for over five years, and I can't remember once anybody really staggering in here, like totally wasted and like passing out on the ground and, you know, their own throw up or, you know, somebody surfing porn, you know, right there or, or something like that. But I'm not naive. I mean, I'm a pastor, yeah, but I'm not an idiot. I mean, I know that that, that, that kind of stuff happens, and, and, but it just doesn't happen here. So why doesn't it happen here? Well, there's something about being together, there's something that, that something good happens. Something about us coming together makes us just be a little bit better than we would be by ourselves. In fact, that all, when I think about that, and, and this is something that, that's really important to me in my personal life. Uh, I've, I've told you guys this before. When Every morning when I drive my kids to school, my prayer for them is, on, on the way, is that we pray out loud. I, I say, God, please allow my children to, to make people better than if they were not there. And really, that... That should be our prayer for, for us and, and each one of us, that, that our presence in a community, our very presence makes other people better. But how does that work? What does that look like? And I think tonight is we really, we have to get a kind of a handle on what God thinks about community and, and especially a community of God that is coming together for the, the purpose of worshiping and glorifying Him. If you 
turn your Bibles to uh, Jeremiah chapter 32, uh, one thing that I like to do is I like to look at the story of God in total, you know, Genesis to Revelation, try to, try to get an understanding, hey, you know, was this a new covenant thing or was this a whole story of God thing? You know, what, what is God's teaching throughout the Bible on community? And, and I was reading, and I, and I came across Jeremiah 32, and I was like, wow. I mean, this is, this is amazing stuff. In verse 36, Jeremiah writes this. Now I want to say something more about this city. You have been saying it will fall to the king of Babylon through war, famine, and disease. But this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I will certainly bring my people back again from the countries where I scattered them in my fury. I will bring them back to this very city and let them live in peace and safety. They will be my people and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one purpose to worship me forever for their own good and for the good of their descendants. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good for them. I will put a desire in their hearts to worship me, and they will never leave me. I will find joy doing good for them and will faithfully and wholeheartedly replant them in this land. Did you catch it? Did you catch what God was saying about community here? The importance of it? What did he do in his fury? What did he do when he was mad at the, at, at the Israelites? What was their punishment? He scattered them. He took away the nation of Israel, the, their identity. This is what he did when he was angry. This was their punishment. When I was a new parent and my daughter Madison was about three years old, we had taken classes and we had read all sorts of books on, on how to raise children. And then she came. And uh, <laughs> I was like, did these people even have kids who wrote this book or these books? And I remember uh, she... she how can I describe Madison? She's, uh, well, she's going to be dictator of the universe someday. <laughs> so you better be nice to her. She's a very strong-willed, to say the least. And when she was three years old, she had gotten her little three-year-old mind fixated on something that she was going to do, and it was going to be this way. And we were like using all our, you know, cool little parenty book tricks, you know, to get her to see the error of her ways, and she wasn't buying any of it. So I, I, I was at my wit's end, and I didn't know what else to do, and I, I just, I felt like this was like the defining battle of my parenting ship. Like this is, however this, you know, who won here was going to dictate how the rest of my parenting life was going to go. So I had to win. And uh, so I was sitting there and I talked to Shannon and I said, Shannon, I think, uh, you know, I think I'm going to have to give her a spanking. And uh, I never spanked her before. And uh, I didn't really want to do that. Um, but, 
it just it had come to that point where they're just I didn't know what to do. And please don't send me emails about it and everything. I've, I've read everything about it. I know I'm a terrible parent and all this kind of stuff. So uh, uh, I took her into the, the room and uh, I sat her down and I, I started talking to her and, and she, she just had this look in her eyes. She just was staring me down. This little three-year-old, you know, and, and you know, I'm, I'm 6'3", you know, 200 pounds, you know, I'm like, and I'm sitting there going, oh. You know, God, give me the strength to get through this. So I was explaining to her, you know, because of her behavior, you know, I was going to have to, uh, and, and because of her defiance that I was, I was going to have to give her a spanking. And, you know, then I busted out the, you know, and, you know, it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you kind of, kind of bit. And she's just sitting there and she's just, just locked on me like I mean just like these devil eyes I mean I just I'm just like oh my gosh so I I like after I explained everything you know I I I put her on my lap and no joke she like spins her head around like the exorcist and and she just she keeps her gaze locked on me and I'm like oh so I bring back my hand, and she's looking at me and I come down and I and I swat her and she just didn't even Lynch. And I could see in her eyes, like she was saying, is that all you got? And this, I, I, I still remember this fear just went through me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I am in so over my head. I have no idea what I'm doing. Where's the nearest exit? And it, it wasn't actually until later and I think that was the last time I ever attempted spanking her uh, because it just, you know, it just didn't work. Uh, there had to be some other way to, to discipline her. And it was kind of interesting uh, how we found out how to discipline her, uh, removing her from community. That, that she would have a complete meltdown if for extended periods removed from the family unit, that, that this was a real punishment for her, worse than, than it is to this day, worse than anything that we could possibly do to her or, or say to her or, or things that we could take away from her. Really, the only thing is community. And I think it just, if we were truly honest you know, community keeps us sane. Community helps us be better. And if we're really honest, our darkest times, when we are at our worst, is many times when we are by ourselves. And it was really interesting while I was in Benin. There, there's so much evil happening to, to children and this evil is really can be perpetuated for many children by one person. But it, it is taking an army of people to combat it. And I think that one of the biggest lies that the enemy puts out there is that, you know what? It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter that there's always going to be somebody who's going to come in and tear down and destroy. And maybe that's true, but it does matter 
for that one person that you come in and love and help. And I met some of the greatest heroes ever who have come together in community to do something. And, and they are better because of it. And they're making people's lives better because of it. And as I look at this verse, you know, God says, you know what? In my fury, I broke off community for you guys. But now I'm telling them that you can come back and I'm going to put you all in one city, in one nation. And I'm going to give you one heart and one purpose, and that is to worship me forever, to, to bring glory to me. And this here is just a, it's a, it's a glimpse of heaven, of, of a people coming together with one purpose and one heart. And when people come together with one purpose and one heart, they can have extraordinary impact. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 writes this in starting in verse 9. He talks to people who are followers of Christ and he says, "You are royal priests." I mean, we we are all pastors. Not just me, not just Eric, not just Dan. All of us are pastors. We're all royal priests. And we're not just pastors, but we're sons and daughters of the king. Princes and princesses. We are all royal priests, a holy nation, a, a nation set apart for God's purpose. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Do you notice the words here? He called you, you out of the darkness, not the community out of the darkness, but you, me. He called us out of the darkness to be part of something larger, a nation, a church. A small group, a missions trip, to show people his goodness. He says this in verse 10 once you had no identity as a people, you were just an individual in your darkness, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I want to warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Now, I want to pause right there. This little line right there, I have heard repeatedly be used to take Christians' freedom and to re-enslave them. I have heard pastors and speakers say, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. That means that you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, that, that, the other thing. Don't even think about that. How dare that even come across your mind? You are evil, wicked, stupid people. I, you might be sitting there going, I've heard it too. 
you know what? I am sick and tired for our unbelieving neighbors to know more about what we are against than what we are for. And the truth is that God called us out of the darkness into the wonderful life. Why? Not so people can know what we're against, but that we can show others the goodness of God. It just irritates me, no end, that Christians are not known for showing the goodness of God to their unbelieving neighbors. And then it goes on and says, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Now let me paint a picture for you. Okay, you got the way this, this verse has traditionally been, been interpreted. Don't do this, don't do that. Act a certain way that you really aren't anyway in front of your unbelievers. You know what happens? When you finally screw up, they all laugh and do a little jig and say, I knew that they weren't that good. Nobody's that good. And the truth is, none of us are that good. If our whole life is defined by what we're not, people just sit there and they wait for you to fall because we have made them feel small. Okay, that's scenario one. How about scenario B? What if you're unbelieving... Did I say something funny? Hey, I'm talking. I can do it any way I want to do it. Okay, you can laugh. That's true. Okay. I just didn't know what I said. Scenario, what was it? Scenario A? My wife does this to me too. It's the big picture. Remember the speech at the beginning? Big picture, people. Come on. Okay, scenario A, you know, condemning people for not using the right numerical or alphanumeric sequence. Or scenario B, too, that, that you know what? You're out there, and you're, you're loving people. You're loving people who are un, under-resourced. Like last, like last yesterday, uh, like yesterday, now you got me all messed up. There was a group of people helping Miss Patricia move back into her home that's, that's been renovated, that uh, we are going to come together as a community and, and throw her a, a housewarming party and do her, her whole yard and, and do all the finishing touches and, and just loving her and loving someone who will never pay us back and we don't want anything from her. Or being known for the, the church or the people who give them themselves and, and go down to Guatemala or, or Benin to, to love people who cannot do for themselves. Or the, the people that come around and, and take care of one another when things go sideways. Now, to me, 
that opens up the conversation for, for bigger things. You know, yes, there are things that are not pleasing to God. But should we lead with that and expect people who are unbelieving to act and, and have the same beliefs as us? Doesn't it make more sense to do it the way God says? It says, live properly among your believing, unbelieving friends. So, and I've called you out of the darkness so you can show others the goodness of God. Let God be God. God changed you. Your mother didn't change you. Your ex-wife or ex-boyfriend didn't change you. God did it. And it's not our job. We are not God. We are not somebody's Savior. We are the conduit of God's love and grace to a lost and hurting world. And we are to be about His And the reality is, when we circle back to Hebrews 10.25, God says, don't neglect meeting together. Why? Because we are at our best when we are together. We are at our best when we are together. And we encourage people to each other to live lives that are bigger than ourselves. And we do things that we could never do alone. In essence, together we can stop the water or together we can live an extraordinary or have an extraordinary impact. Pray with me. Dear God, I just thank you for this community. God, I just... I'm amazed that you chose me as I sat in the darkness. And you called me out of that darkness to be in the light, to be part of your family, to be part of your church, to show goodness to others, but not just ordinary goodness, but your goodness. God, I just pray that you will allow us to live lives that make us worthy of being ambassadors of you, that our unbelieving neighbors see us, and when they see us, they see you. Someone who is love and someone who is good. God, I pray that we do not neglect meeting together and that we constantly encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds to be better than we would be by ourselves, to change lives, to change the world, to live out the vision that you have for each one of our lives. We love you, Lord. In Jesus name. Amen.